This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I would really, 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 really like to get a Bible in your hand if you don't have one. I like to hear the pages of the Bible turn. Something happens with that. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit real quick. I'm going to go to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. So turn there with me. As you're turning to 1 Samuel 15, let me quote a verse for you. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13, it says, My people, believers, Christians, have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Because they have nothing to do with the Word of God. And so there'll come a time in every one of our lives that I can't plea ignorant. That ignorance comes with a high price. And so I want you to see not only right now, but today, the significance of the Word of God, the importance of the Word of God. But even a step further, not just to hear the Word of God, not just to know the Word of God, but to obey the Word of God. It's very important that you learn to obey the Word of God, and you'll see this today. Now, as we read these passages, sometimes the best thing I can tell you to do is put yourself in that story. It's very easy sometimes to knock the people in the Bible and think, and why did they do that? But in reality, usually we're living the same way. Now, let's begin here in 1 Samuel 15. Let's start in verse number 1. 1 Samuel 15, 1. It says, Samuel, who was the prophet, also said to Saul, who was the king, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Now, he uses the word heed there. He didn't say, don't just know him. He said, heed him, grasp him, live by him. And so even in this setting right here, as important as the king was, he wasn't exempt from obeying the word of God. Now, every one of us in this room will never be exempt from obeying the word of God. We'll never come to a place in our life where we say, I've made it. I don't have to obey anymore. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now, what this is talking about here is when the Israelites were going into the promised land, the first ones that attacked him when they went in were the Amalekites. And God said, I'm going to punish them. Verse 3, now go and attack. Now, it's interesting always there that God said, I will punish them, but how God punishes them, he said, I'm going to do it through you. You're going to be the ones that are going to go, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to bless you. So he tells them, now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant, nurse, and child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Now the instructions here for King Saul were very specific And very direct. And he said, destroy every human being and destroy every animal or livestock. Now the reason God tells him to do this is because the Malachites were very wicked. They were very evil people. And their greatest downfall was that they were idol worshipers. 
And God said, because they've become so defiant and rebellion before me, because they're idol worshipers, destroy them. And one of the reasons he said destroy all their animals is because their animals were sacrificed to these, uh, to these idols. And God said, get rid of them. In one sense, that's something to me and you. That the things in our life that aren't of God that try to dominate us, we got to get rid of them. you got to get them out of your life because if you don't, they'll be your downfall. Verse 4. So Saul gathered the people together and he numbered them in Telem, 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Malik and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go depart. Get down or get away from among the Malachites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed, packed up, and left from among the Malachites. Now what you see right there is a covenant that's still going on right now. In Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, He said, all those that bless you, I will bless them. And all those that cursed you, I will curse them. So God's saying to the, the Kenites, he said, because you were so kind to the Israelites, I'm going to bless you. That's why not only as Christians do we need to honor the Jews, the nation of Israel, but we need to pray that our nation honors them. And we need to pray our government honors them. Because there's a blessing attached to it. And you see the blessing in operation. And when you look at the Malachites, you see the curse that's in operation. So this is what's going on. So we jump in to verse 7. So Saul attacked the Malachites from Havla all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took her captured Agag, king of the Malachites, alive. And he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now Saul here, he spares Agag. And he spares the best livestock. And what begins to happen here is when he sees the best livestock, it literally appeases him. And he begins to reason within himself, what a waste to kill all those animals. This is a picture of trouble. Anytime human beings, me or you, start putting human reasoning above the word of God. Anytime. He says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, he said, Seek first the kingdom, or seek God first. Lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. In this passage right here, King Saul opens the door to trouble because he begins to reason. Disobedience is sin. Partial obedience is sin. Selective obedience is sin. And so you begin to get a picture real quick that even though what it looked like or appeared to be a good thing, it wasn't a good thing. Verse 10. 
Now the, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. How? And has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Now, anytime I don't obey the word of God, it's as if I'm drawing away from Father God. And you begin to see right here that this is what ultimately happens to, to Saul right here. And what happens is his heart wasn't for the things of God. His heart was for his best interest. What I want, what I need. Now, watch what all goes through here. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Saul, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Now, while pretending to offer sacrifices to God, he was really offering sacrifices to his own ego. If you'll read right there and really dig in there, it said, he erected or he built a sacrifice for himself. And you know what that says to me? He's eating up with pride. It's if he's saying, hey, look at me. I'm the man of the hour with the power. Everybody bow to me. I'm the great one. Do you know this is literally Proverbs 16, 18 in action? Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And so right here, because of his disobedience and his pride, he opens the door up to some things you don't want to. Now think about this in your life. Oftentimes when we experience destruction in our life, we will blame the devil. The devil's causing this. And does the devil cause destruction? Yeah, he does. And sometimes we'll even blame God and we'll say, God, why is this happening to me? But have you ever thought for one moment that when destruction comes to your life, you're operating in pride? See, it's something I believe every one of us have to look at. It's always easier to blame everybody else. But the reality that I really wonder in my own life, when destruction is knocked on the door, is because I've been arrogant in areas. I've placed myself as more important than everybody else. And even though we don't erect monuments in front of everybody, it's almost like I'm saying, I should be out in front. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And if you live that way, destruction's knocking on your door. Thank you for those amens. What you'll begin to see take place right here, with disobedience goes deception. The further disobedient we live, the more deceived we live. And they go hand in hand. They will begin to increase. Verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed or carried out the commandment of the Lord. Do you see the deception right there? He's either a great liar or he's really deceived because he actually believes what he did is he carried out the commandments of God. And so you begin to see right here how they go hand in hand. Once again, the more disobedient I become, the more deceived I become. Now, to understand the deception, 
Put your finger right there and go with me to the book of James chapter 1 because we're going to come back to this story in a minute. James chapter 1. And we'll see what goes hand in hand with this thing called deception. We want to help you with this. I will tell you this. This isn't easy to preach on, guys. I understand that there's things that happen when you talk about sin in people's life. But listen, my goal is not to condemn. My goal is, is not to judge. It's just to say, what's the truth? Only the truth will set you free. James chapter 1, verse 21. says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow or abundance of wickedness. And receive with meekness, receive with humility the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul. Now he tells us, get, get rid of the junk in your life. And then after you've even said, Lord, I'm a purpose in my heart. I, I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to live in rebellion. He said, receive with meekness or humility the implanted word of God. Now think about the word implanted. He's telling me here the key to the word of God is got to get in my heart. And he said the implanted word of God will save your soul. The word of God is the blueprint for my life. It's the blueprint for your life. That's why it's important. Get in the word of God. You get in the word, God will get into you. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, when it says to be a doer of the word, that literally means to obey the word of God. When the word of God says this, then I come to a place in my life where I choose to obey it or I choose to disobey it. Now, look at the consequences for hearing the word but not obeying it. Only deceiving yourselves. Only fooling yourselves. And so when I disobey the word of God, I I begin to deceive myself. And I begin to tell me what I'm doing is okay. It's all right. So watch what happens here, verse 23. For if anyone, 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 that's me and you, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, And immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law, the word of God, the Bible of liberty, and continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed. So what he tells me here, that when I hear the word, if I don't do the word, then I quickly forget the word. And if I forget the word, then there is no blessing. But he said that if I obey the word and I continue obeying the word, this is the man who wants to be blessed or is blessed. So I don't need to show hands. Every one of us in here want to be blessed. Do I obey the word of God fully? Number two, do I continue in it? Do I continue in it? See, it's continuing. How long do we got to continue, Pastor? As long as you're on this earth. Think about it in this, this, this text here. We all like to eat. How many are you going to eat today? 
every one of us, at least three meals, maybe four or five. I don't know. But see, even spiritually speaking, I, I got to eat. The Lord Jesus said that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I got to get in the word. That is spiritual food for me. I got to keep hanging out with him. And as I continue in it, he said, that man is blessed. That's the, that's the blessings or the fruit of the word of God. Now go back to your left to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. You'll go through Hebrews and then you'll, Timothy's tucked in there. 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to read it verse 10. Now in my Bible, before that it says, the man of God and the word of God. You can't be a man of God without the word of God. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Remember, he said there in, in Isaiah 5, 13, he said, my, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So it's important to hear the word of God. It's even more important to do the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my word. You followed my manner of life, how I live, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. Persecutions. Afflictions, and Christians hate those words, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, some of you right now are going through some afflictions. Some of you are going through some, some, some persecution. Don't give up, okay? Lean on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Ask God to help you, okay? Now, watch what happens in verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When you live for the Lord Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. Some people aren't going to like it. Some people you work with won't like it. And some of your family members won't like it. But understand, this is a warning. Just because you're being persecuted because you stand up for the things of God, don't, don't go back. Don't break up with Jesus. Keep serving him. Keep living for him. Verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Who will grow worse and worse? Evil men. I think we're safe to say that, that we are really seeing the fulfillment of that right there in our society right now. I don't have to ask for a show of hands. How many of you understand evil people are growing worse and worse? That's a fact. The bad news is it's not going to get any better. But don't let it move you. This is a warning from the Lord. And then he said imposters are going to grow worse and worse. You know what an imposter does? He tells you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. And an imposter is someone even that will come within the church. And you know what they'll begin to say? It's okay how you live. God understands how you live. God just wants you to be happy. No, he doesn't. God, thank you. Thank you. God wants us to obey. And when I obey, there's a kingdom blessing. There's a godly blessing. 
I don't know about you, I love the peace of God. That's part of the blessing. When I see all the junk on TV, it doesn't move me. You know why? Because he's warned me. And so he's telling us, hang in there. Now, now watch where where he goes with this. But you must continue in the things which you've learned. Continue. There it is again. And being assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from your childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Now, when he's talking right here, he's talking to this young pastor named Timothy. And Paul said, listen, buddy, you were taught the things of God from this age, from your mama Eunice and from your grandmother Lois. And he said, what would the word of God make you? It would make you wise. So, Pastor, what happens if I didn't learn those things as a child? There's still hope for you. I didn't learn those things from a, as a child, okay? But something happens when children at this age learn the Word of God. You know what happens? It propels them right through life. Now, we have children's services, guys, that aren't glorified babysitting sessions. We got ones that want to impart the word of God into your children. I know our children's pastor, Jordan and Cynthia, their heart is to see the word of God get deposited into your children. That's why we have children's services. I'm smart enough to realize that your children that are in here right now, they're not getting nothing from me. Don't take your children out of children's church early either, okay? So you can be first at the line in first cafeteria. Man, Pastor, you're preaching good. He's preaching good. Understand this. When they preach the word of God to your children, they have altar calls. And your children respond to that. And God meets with them right there where they're at. But no, we take them out. Don't take them out early. Leave them in there. That's free, okay? Let's just keep going. All Scripture, not some of it, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let me read that to you in the Amplified, everything that we just said. It said, the word of God is for reproof and the word of God is for conviction of sin, for correction in error in my life, for discipline in obedience. And so when I receive the word of God and I say, all right, Lord, I welcome your word to correct me. I welcome your word to show me what's true in my life and what's wrong in my life. Look what happens in the next verse, verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What was the man of God's life centered around? Submitting to the word of God. Obeying the word of God. See, Don't call yourself a man of God unless you're willing to obey the Word of God. The only way I'm a man of God is I obey the Word of God. Totally and completely. Now jump back to 1 Samuel 15. Where we begin. 1 Samuel 15. And remember as we left 1 Samuel 15. King Saul is telling the the prophet Samuel. He said, I obeyed. I obeyed. I don't know what's wrong with you, Sammy. I obeyed. Watch this in verse 14. 
But Samuel said to him, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? What is the bah and the move if you really obeyed? See, here it is. The deception. The very deception. And in this passage, God gives him an opportunity to repent, but he doesn't repent. And watch what happens in verse 15. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Malachites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. The rest we have utterly destroyed. So when he's confronted, instead of repenting, you know what he does? Human nature. He shifts the blame. He said, they, the people. It's those stinking people. So what he does, he yields to peer pressure. He appeases men at the expense of God. And this, this has gone on a long time in our society. Remember the story with Adam and Eve when God dealt with Adam? And you know what Adam's response was? It was that woman that you gave me. See, think about that. That's easier. Instead of me taking responsibility for my choices, my actions, it's easier to blame my wife, that Father God you gave me. In other words, it's your fault, God. You shouldn't have brought that stupid lady in my life. Whoa. You know, the truth of the matter is, he knew what he was doing. In verse 9, you don't have to go there, or let me read it. It says, but Saul and the people spared Agag. Saul and the people. In other words, Saul had their hands and said, boys, let's go. Let's get them. He knew what he was doing. See, the problem here is this, is Saul was the leader. He was the king. And everything rises and falls on leadership. See, oftentimes in our life, we, we want to be a leader. We want to be the, the, the head wig at our office. We want to be able to tell everybody what to do. But in James 3, verse 1, it says, For, for brethren, beware that some of you that desire to be teachers, you don't understand that you're going to be held at a stricter judgment. Not just for what you say, but how you live. Romans 14, 21, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, don't do anything to cause another to stumble or to be weakened. And so think about this. Do you really want to be a leader? Because if you do, you're going to be held to a stricter judgment by what you teach and how you live. This is where he goes with Saul and it's like, listen, buddy, because the way you live, you're going to cause a lot of people to stumble. Verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, shut up. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, when you were humble, were you not the head of the tribe of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Something with humility. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Malachites, and fight against them until they are consumed or exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? That shows me. 
When I disobey God, God views it as evil. God views it as evil. Verse 20, watch the deception. And Saul said to Samuel, but I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, and he keeps reverting back. I did it, and then the stinking people. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God and Gilgal. So you know what he's saying now? It's the people, but he said, it was the people, Lord, but their hearts were right. They took all those animals because they wanted to sacrifice them to you. Now look what God thinks about what he just said. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Do you think the Lord would rather have these sacrifices than you just to obey? Look at his answer. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You know what God just said to me and you? I would rather you obey me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday than you to stroll in here on Sunday and act like you did me a favor by coming to church. See how easy we can get over and we can think, well, I'm going to sacrifice this. You're not sacrificing nothing. God said to obey is better than sacrifice. See, I can come in here and I can try to play games with God. But God doesn't play games. He goes on to say, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Don't mix next week. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. When I talk about the word iniquity, that's in about five Sundays from now, okay? The word iniquity literally means sin that has been repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated to the fourth generation. So from your great-grandfather to your grandfather to your, gra your father to you. And so a lot of times when we get over and talk about generational curses, that's what it's talking about. That's in four or five weeks. Tell you guys, I will tell you in my own life, I fell under a generational iniquity called alcohol. I had a grandfather that died of alcoholism. And when I was young, they would tell me, you look like him. And the older I got, they said, not only do you look like him, you act like him. But Jesus will set you free. That's, that's in a few weeks. We've got to keep moving. Verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. You know what he does right here? He, he confesses his sin. But he still tries to justify and excuse his behaviors. He wasn't really repentive. If you read the rest of this passage, which I encourage you to do, you'll find out that Saul was more hurt that he got caught than because of what he did. 
The word repent does mean to confess my sin, to take responsibility. But also, if you would just study James 4, verses 8, 9, 10, 11 in there, it talks about that when I repent of my sin, it ought to be sorrowful to me. I say, Lord, I don't want to do that. One of the definitions of repentance means to literally do a 180. And I'm not saying God's telling us to, to, to be perfect, but when I do sin, it should bother me. Before I was born again, I was a champion sinner. And you know what? It never did bother me to sin. Actually, I enjoyed it. But when I got born again, something began to take place in my heart. And when I would sin, it would move me. It would, it would move my heart. Where I'd say, Father God, I repent of that. I don't want to do that. Saul wasn't that way. And look at this in verse 26. And there's a nugget in there that we'll end with. But Samuel said to Saul... I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and God has rejected you from being king over Israel. I have a choice to reject the word. So do you. But when I reject the word of God, there are severe consequences. <clears throat> when he said to him, I've rejected you from being king, if Saul would have ever repented, God would have welcomed him back as a child of God. But as far as being the king, you're eliminated, buddy. You've broke that, that heart that I had for you. And so understand that if you'll repent, he'll still receive you. Don't reject the word of God. Now, this, this is where it gets tough. Because if you study Saul's life, two chapters later in, in 1 Samuel... It says that a distressing spirit came upon Saul. What the distressing spirit was talking about was a demonic entity or a devil. It came after him to the point that Saul began to be dominated by a spirit of fear and a spirit of depression. So what I see right there is because he rejected the word of God, he opened up the door to the devil. It's the same for me and you. When I get over and I get in the back of my mind, it's okay for me to sin. It's not okay. You're opening the door up to stuff you don't want. And people right now in America will say, well, that's why we live under grace, pastor. Man, you're messed up if you're thinking that teaching's accurate. Romans 6, the apostle Paul said, shall we continually sin because we're under grace? And he said, certainly not. So I got to get in my heart, Lord, I don't, I don't want to disobey you. And Saul had a couple of huge character flaws. Number one is he chose to disobey the word of God. Number two, he started blaming everybody else. See, these are things I got to look in my own life. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.